regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And I'm here to help course creators actually succeed with online courses. Hi, I'm Jacques Hopkins, and this is The Online Course Show. How to get paid for what you know, turning your knowledge, passion, and experience into an online income stream in your spare time. That's what we're talking about today. On the show, I was joined, or I will be joined, uh, by Graham Cochran, who wrote this new book, this new phenomenal book. If you are listening to this, if you're watching this, then you are a fit to read this book. I have had my online course business since 2013, and I got a lot, a lot of valuable information out of this book. I absolutely love Graham Cochran. I really, really look up to him. If you're not familiar with him, he started an online course business uh, before I did. Uh, called Re The Recording Revolution, which is about uh, audio production. And that has blown up. It's a very successful business, seven-figure business. And he has since created a second business uh, teaching this stuff, kind of like I do, where I have piano in 21 days and then also have the online course guy brand and, and the online course show, which, which is what you're uh, listening to right now. And I first met Graham because of this very podcast. He was back on in episode 104. And that just goes to show you one of the amazing uh, many benefits of creating and putting out consistent content, whether it be a podcast or a YouTube channel, uh, things like that we're going to be talking about in this episode. But I probably would have never met Graham if it weren't for this podcast. It gave me a platform to be able to reach out to him, see if he wanted to come on. And, and we've we've uh, stayed in touch, stayed connected ever since. So that was nearly, I think, three years ago. And uh, like I said, I just really look up to him. And I also really value coaching and mentorship. And so there were a couple of times after that where I reached out to him for some sort of coaching. He's like, look, I'm not really doing one-on-one -on -one coaching right now, but I'll keep you in mind for the future. And he kind of teased me with a, a mastermind product that he was going to be releasing. And so I think it was the beginning of 2021, he released what he calls his epic mastermind. And so I immediately jumped on that. And I was part of that uh, in, in Graham's mastermind for about three months uh, at the beginning of 2021. It was awesome. He still runs it today. I would invite you to check it out at his website on grahamcochran.com. But my point in telling you that is uh, one time uh, during the the mastermind, um, you know, one thing I really look up to about Graham is how simple he keeps his businesses. And I was looking at his Graham Cochran brand business, and he doesn't run any paid ads. He has very few marketing and, and lead generation channels. He's very consistent with the content he puts out there. He has very few actual products, very simple funnels. And one day I'm just like, is his business really as simple as it looks on the surface? And so I, I turned on my cameras, I got out some paper and I drew up what I thought was his business model. And I ran it by him. I'm like, Graham, is this is your business really this simple? And I don't think he had quite looked at it exactly like that, but he's like, you know what? It, it is, that's exactly how it works. And that little story actually made uh, made his book, uh, his new book. And I was thrilled when I came across uh, that story and he mentioned my name in the book. 
And so in this conversation, you will hear more about keeping the uh, the business model nice and simple, but yet obviously effective. He's really big, really, really big on content marketing as your main marketing strategy. There's lots of advantages to that. In the book and in the uh, in the conversation you're about to hear, he talks about um, uh, why that is, but also strategies behind it. So not just that content marketing is the way to go, but like which platforms you should be on, what kind of content you should be putting out. He's even got frameworks for exactly how to put content together and to never run out of ideas for content as well. So it really, really motivated me, both talking with him and reading the book recently to really hit content marketing even harder in both of my businesses. We also talk about you know courses versus memberships, uh, idea uh, generation and validation, um, just all kinds of good stuff for those that have courses already, thinking about getting into courses. So sit tight, it's a great conversation. Obviously get a copy of this book as well, how to get paid for what you know. And before we jump into the, to the conversation, I wanted to let you know there were two like burning questions that I really, really wanted to ask Graham. And I did get a chance to ask him. And it was a fun conversation. One is, you know, he's, he's big on YouTube with both of his brands. I think Recording Revolution has over 600,000 subscribers. And, um, and with his Graham Cochran brand, you know, a second seven-figure business, he gets most of his traffic from YouTube with like a 30,000 subscriber uh, YouTube channel. One question I wanted to ask him is like, should you put a call to action, a link to your website on every video? You know, YouTube more and more, they want to they want their users to kind of stay on YouTube. So I feel like more and more people are getting rewarded uh, with their videos that more tend to try to keep people on YouTube, meaning the call to action at the end of the video is, hey, go watch this other YouTube video, something like that, versus, hey, go to my website, download this freebie, and so on. So I really wanted to ask Graham about that, and I did. And the other burning question I had for Graham, because he is so big into content marketing, I wanted to ask him, hey, look, if you have somebody who is on board with this and they're starting from scratch and they go down the content marketing um, approach and they are consistent, like Graham says, they're putting out one or two pieces of content every week. It's good content. And they look up six months later and they don't have a lot to show for it. They're not getting a lot of views on their YouTube channel. They're not getting a lot of downloads on their podcast. Therefore, they're not building that audience to a size they hoped they would be for the amount of time and effort they put in. What do you recommend to that person? So I did ask him that question as well, and I think you will appreciate his response. So without further ado, here is the full conversation between myself and Graham Cochran. Mr. Graham Cochran, welcome back to the show. Really, really excited to talk to you today. Yeah, thanks for having me back, dude. Dude, let's start with like the most important things here. Like football. Why can't Tom Brady just stay retired? Like it's driving me crazy. <laughs> oh man, I, I think about you, man. All of the all this the Saints, Bucks, wars, man. Um, I don't know, man. I I was surprised when he retired. I really was. I, I was like, dude, I think he's going to go one more year. And then it's just a, it was weird. Everything about it's been weird, but it made sense that he's back and I'm a happy camper. That's all that matters. Yeah, he's back. And you know, the crazy thing is not only is he back and we have to deal with him, but we have like the Tampa Bay reject quarterback as our quarterback <laughs> now, you know, Jameis Winston. Oh. I always liked Jameis. I, I felt bad for the guy. That guy can crush it. He just also throws a lot of interceptions. I don't know. Maybe yeah. he'll be better. 
I think we'll he, he looked he looked pretty good until he got his knee injured last year. So yes, we will see. Okay, so let's talk about your stuff. I have a book in my hands. It has your name on it. How's the book launch going? Man, it's been it's been wild. It's been great. I, I've um, it's been fun to like celebrate it and get it out there. It's been fun to see people. I don't have physical products. This is my first physical product, right? So to see people Instagramming, like holding it and reading it and seeing like seeing it by their coffee cup, I'm like, wow, that's a, such a weird trip because um, it's just it's just a different experience. So that's been fun. It's it's been wild to see people like who already take my courses and know all this stuff, read the book and be like, wow, it was so insightful. I'm like, you know, this stuff, but like for them reading it in a book or maybe the way it was presented, a new insight came. So that's been cool. And then just getting it in front of people, um, some, some good press, like just some podcast opportunities, some things that just have been popping because there's a book involved now has been really, really cool. So I've just been, I've been along for the ride. That's, that's really amazing. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a book. Um, uh... I don't have a book like you have a book. I mean, I've got a little piano workbook that I do mail out to some people sometimes. And uh, with that, we send like a shirt and stuff. And when people send me a picture of them, like they have their workbook in front of their piano and they're wearing the t-shirt, I'm yes. blown away every time when, when they have something physical. So I totally get what you're saying with the physical thing. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. So I, um, I went through the book and, you know, I've, I've had a course since 2013, um, but there's a ton that I was able to take away from this. This is certainly not just for, for beginners. Um, in your opinion, what do you think your message about how to run how to start and run a business like this? What do you think is like maybe most different than the, the traditional way that gurus will teach how to do this stuff? Yeah. I mean, there's, I have a few points of emphasis that are important to me and my students. One is simplicity. Like I just, I hate complexity. Um, and I, I find a lot of my students say, wow, that you, you make that seem so simple. Or there's a lot of, there's a lot of friction to start a business period. And then an online business can be overwhelming with like funnels and automation and stuff. And so the average person who doesn't dork out over this stuff, it just creates more barrier to get started. So if they interact with me, a lot of times I hear, wow, you made it seem super doable. And like you boiled it down and said, ignore half of this stuff, just do this. And that's a big win for people. And that's just my nature. I'm pretty simple in terms of the way I want to organize my life. My finances are simple. Uh, the, the way I run my, my business is simple. The way I think about music production is simple and all those things that, uh, that I've done in, the, in, in my career. So simplicity is important to me in business. So it's got to be a simple business model. It's got to be sustainable. Um, so there's a lot of ways to make money if you really go all in, but could you do it for 10 years? I always think about, could I do this for five to 10 years? Um, and then automation is important because I don't really want to make lots of money or I don't want my students to just make lots of money. I want them to build a, a business that fits their life, serves their life, not the other way around. Um, it's got scalable systems so that they they can really design like their, their interaction between their day-to-day -day life with their family, with their goals can like perfectly like, like align with their, their business goal. So that's not like I have to do this and then I have to go do this and it's not compartmentalized. It's like all integrated. So I'm really fighting for like, what's a business model and a way to do online business where you can actually have a life as well. Like I hate launches in general because they just take so much out of you. So how can I build a business that doesn't require me to launch? That would be great. And, and so I always ask those kind of questions. Rich Lipton has a great line, like how could you make it your, your, your business and hit your goals and make it simple, effortless, and fun. 
And that's exactly how I like to think about it. Like, what if it could be simple? What if it could be effortless? What if it could be fun? Everything that's not those things I try to eliminate if, if possible. It sounds, um, it sounds really amazing. I mean, that's, those all sound like really good things. Uh, one thing that really jumped out to me is how honest you were about how this is not a get rich quick scheme by any means, how this could actually take a little while if you want to do it right. If you want to do it in a way that's um, sustainable, one of the words you used, and you really push the content marketing, right. As the approach to build the audience, um, not everybody, like a lot of people I talk to, they maybe start with the content marketing, but it fizzles out because they don't see any results from it. Um, then they want to start talking about ads. Um, why are you so passionate about the content marketing as, as the best way to build an audience? I've just seen it work like crazy for 12 years. Um, it's, the, it's like uh, the easiest way to, to make it work. I mean, I'm trying to do what's easiest. I'm not trying to do what's hardest. Uh, and I think content is easiest because it's the most efficient use of your time, right? If I can shoot a video or do a podcast or do a blog post and assume like 95% of them will be average at best, but a handful of them will really connect with people or really connect with the algorithm or just be on the topic that people are really searching for or whatever, those become just traffic generators for me. They'll just send traffic all the time, even though I shot the video five years ago or six years ago. And so it, it doesn't cost anything. It just, it's like getting those little, little magnets, those little breadcrumbs, those little highways all over the internet that are just drawing people in. I feel like it's the best use of my time because I, I so I've seen content marketing work for just generating leads on my list and growing my list so I can have more people in the funnel, but I've also seen it work for affiliate sales, right? Like just putting out some strategic content drives a ton of affiliate income for me. I, I promote Kajabi, which is a platform, right? For courses. And like, I make so much money off of Kajabi and it's not because of anything other than content marketing. It's, it's the exact same technique allowing me to grow my business in a different way. Content marketing also, this is one of the things that people don't talk about, I think with content marketing is it's like such a good credibility play because then when people are searching your niche and you're everywhere, they think you're the authority because you kind of are. And so it, they may, it may not lead to revenue, but it'll lead to podcast opportunities and press and media. And like people, like I've gotten so many opportunities just because you couldn't Google or YouTube my niche and not see my face. And, and that's so helpful. It's kind of being everywhere all the time. So it's, that's harder to quantify but man, you're getting that as a, like a phantom benefit by creating content all the time. So I, I just love content marketing. And if I had to do one thing, in fact, it's like one of the only things I still do in my business is weekly content. That's, that's what I would do. That, that reminds, I was just talking to a guy named James yesterday, who's an architect and he hasn't launched a course yet, but what he's done is he has built up a YouTube channel in the past couple of years. Uh, and he teaches this specific like program for architects. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not an architect. I'm not familiar with that. And he told me that he got an opportunity to teach in that, that topic um, at a class at UCLA because they found his YouTube channel. Right. Yes. They're like, man, this guy knows what he's talking about. Let me reach out to him. He's got 20,000 yes. subscribers. It's not a crazy number is probably less when they reached out to him. So I think that perfectly illustrates your point of just like the credibility, seeing that you are out there. Yeah. I mean, th this is, 
this is the cool play about it. And this is the scary thing about it because you're putting yourself out there, which, yeah. which I, I deal with. I'm, that's what I'm a lot of what I'm coaching through people, coaching people through is fear. And like, like, well, what if I, you know, how do we handle negative comments? Somebody in my community yesterday was saying like, I usually am good about ignoring negative comments, but these people were calling me out on something. And this is like the biggest fear. I'm like, yes, it, it's part of the, 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 what comes with doing this kind of business is you have to expose yourself, but the benefits of like getting opportunities, getting job offers. I hear that all the time. I get job offers. I get job offers. I don't want a job. It's so funny. So it's like, man, I couldn't get a job, but by creating content, not trying to get a job, you establish yourself as an authority, but you get invited to things. You just, and then a lot of times I'll go to an event or a conference and there'll be people um, they'll meet me and, oh, you're the guy that does this. And they're like, I've, I've seen your videos for the last three or four years and let's grab coffee. And it's like, I had three to four years of, of relational capital built up and I've never even met this person. And so I would have been a complete stranger. But then when we meet for the first time, they're like, oh, I, yeah, we need to be connected. And that can lead to opportunities and all kinds of things. So I just, I don't even know how to predict how that will be for people when they create content, but it's one of the unspoken about benefits that have just it's been great for me in both of my areas of interest, both music production and then online business. I'm so glad I have a catalog of content because that has led to so many hard to quantify opportunities. Yeah. And you've, you've never run ads. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, we like experimented with some retargeting years ago for a launch or two, but I, I just don't run ads. You know, um, Sam, do you know who Sam Ovens is? He's a, he's a big, yeah. uh, you, you do. Okay. Consulting.com. He's, he's made, you know, tens of millions with courses and whatnot. And I was watching a video of his the other day and he was talking about like their new business strategy going forward. And he's always been huge into ads, like spending millions of ads. He teaches ads um, way back in the day. I thought I was going to be like a digital marketing consultant. That's how I originally uh, found Sam Ovens. Um, and he, he was talking about their new just marketing plan going forward. And he's like, I think we're going to stop doing ads. I think we're just going to really focus on YouTube. And here's why is I made my last YouTube video like two years ago, and we're still getting tons and tons and tons of leads from YouTube. Whereas when I turn off my ads, we no longer get ads from that. He's like, it's crazy. And I'm watching that video. I'm like, yeah, like that's, that's kind of the point. It reminded me of you. So even this, this huge name who has been obsessed with ads is, uh, is, is, is understanding the importance of content marketing, specifically YouTube in this case. Yeah. I mean, dude, there's more, there's more people like that. And I, some of them that are my friends will tell me privately, like, Hey man, I need to start a YouTube channel or Hey man, I have one, but I need to get you know serious on it or, or, you know, ad costs have gone up or a lot of the iOS changes have made, you know, it's just a lot of people are like having that conversation of maybe I should make content. Um, and not see it as like a nice to have, but a need to have. Um, and so I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm like really smart or special when it comes to to content. I don't even think my content is even even that amazing. But I just I'm on the content train, and I preach this message because it it works. It just if it works for someone like me who doesn't do all the right things when it comes to even YouTube. Like on YouTube, I don't do all the quote unquote right things. Um, and that just shows that it doesn't matter. You can still generate tons of leads if you do content and do it consistently and, and 
be in it for the long haul. And I just think like that's the cornerstone of everything I do. It doesn't matter if I if I want to write a book, do uh, uh, get into public speaking, do live events. If I want to be a, just a coach and just do one-on-one coaching and stop all the courses, like you need leads and you need authority, authority and credibility. Ads are hard, they're hard to create authority and credibility with ads. And to your point, if even if they are working, you have to keep them running. If you shut them off, no one knows who you are, but the videos will last forever. And so I just, I'm not, I just think it's pretty straightforward. Like do the most efficient, do the laziest thing possible, do the work once and let it work for you forever. That's what I'm a fan of. So what do you say to the person who's like, okay, Graham, I'm I'm on board with this approach. I love what you're doing. I'm going to start a YouTube channel. I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to start a blog. I'm going to repurpose some of that content. I'm going to put out a piece of content on all three places once a week. And they're sitting here like six months later with very little traction. It's like not working for them. Right. What, what do you say to somebody like that? Well, I would say that you got to wait two to three years really to make an assessment. Oh, right? it's, yeah. It's I mean, six months. Like nothing's going to happen in six months. It's just, it's possible. So the good news is like, let's take YouTube, for example, the algorithm has shifted a lot in the last couple of years to be way more democratized and way more friendly to new channels. For example, my 12 year old daughter started, she wanted to start a YouTube channel and she wanted to do like screen recordings of her playing this game called Roblox, this video game. And she builds these houses, these virtual houses in Roblox. And she just wanted to like show the builds. And so she made her first video and she's like, what do I, how do I do YouTube? And so we created her channel and we uploaded her video and I was like, okay, let's title the video. What's this video about? She's like, well, it's in Roblox and the game inside of Roblox is Bloxburg and we're doing these kind of builds. And so I'm like, okay, well you title it Roblox, Bloxburg, whatever, whatever builds. Like just very not cute or creative title, but very clear. And then she, I showed her how to use Canva. And I was like, take a really cool looking moment from the video. Here's how you can do some text to make, you know, you know, the three words or less rule, like just simple text on the thumbnail, make it big, make it bright. And uh, and then the description, let's have those same keywords in the description, like really basic stuff. I'm not an SEO genius. We upload the video. This is a brand new channel, right? Zero subscribers. Um, we go and, and do some like daddy daughter day stuff. We come back three hours later and I'm like, let's see what's going on. Let's get on YouTube and search Roblox, Bloxburg, whatever, whatever builds. Her video shows up on the first page of results. It's got zero views and it shows up on the first page three hours after launching her channel. And so that's like the power of like where YouTube is going. They're trying to get new channels to go. So I think you can get some initial wins is my, the encouraging side of it. The negative side is six months is really not long enough to really blow up unless you get lucky. And I mean, if you do, that's great. So what I tell people is you have to, again, think about, are you building this for five to 10 years? If you are, then you need content marketing. So don't look at it in six months and assess whether it's working or not. But then while you're committed to that every week for five to 10 years, who could you go connect with? Like who in your niche could you become friends with? Could you do you know, guest content for, or serve in some way, or share a powerful idea, or just make a friendship, some reciprocity, like go giver type stuff, or Adam Grant give and take. Like, who can you go serve and maybe make a friend, even if 99% of them ignore you? Would have, what if one out of 100 people are like, oh, hey, yeah, let's jump, have you on the podcast, or like what you're doing, or yeah, let's, I would love to see more, or like all you need is one person to give you some like, you know, accessibility into their world and get in front of their audience. And so, for example, when I started my first blog and first YouTube channel, uh, there was a brand that I I supported their company and I liked their stuff, but they got made fun of a lot in the space because they're like the budget brand. 
And so I did like a post about why you shouldn't bash this brand. They have really good stuff. People are just gear snobs. And I tweeted about it and I tweeted them and, and I tagged them. And uh, so they're a huge company, but they're all, they're just all their social guy found the tweet just because the hashtag or whatever. And like that, I was just defending them. I was a nobody tiny blog. And he reached out and said, I loved the article. Would you want to do a guest post for our, our blog? And we'll send it out to our email list of a million people. Sure. How about I do eight, eight posts? I'll do an eight part series. He's like, oh, even better because these <laughs> social teams need lots of content. So I did an eight part series for this company. They emailed it out to people. They tagged me in all of it. And that was a huge like inflection point early on for me to get a, like a huge wave of, of people that would never know I exist that were my target market. And most people ignored me. And some of those brands I reached out to, like it took them seven years to finally pay attention to me. But some of those early on brands did. And so that's what, that's what I'm saying is that's the only way to do it faster other than luck is getting in front of someone else's audience. So I, I play both and, and just know that like it, you're going to see an inflection point usually by year two or year three. I see most of my students, they're like, I've been faithfully posting all of a sudden, boom, that one video. And, and that's, that's, that's it for them for the next season of their business. That's really interesting. Yeah. They think of Mr. Beast, you know, I think he's the number one YouTube channel and he, he didn't find success for the first several years. I, I recently listened to his interview with Joe Rogan, which was really interesting to hear him talk about YouTube for like three hours and the algorithm and all the things he did. Um, but I think that two to three years would definitely scare a lot of people that are looking to get into this. I, I, um, I know that you don't like, if, if I'm a complete beginner, I, I don't have a following. I don't have an audience. I don't have any products. And I want to get into online courses, let's say, um, I know you don't recommend creating the course as the first thing you do, right? The first thing is this content marketing strategy, but are you, are you basically saying, Hey, we're not going to even create a product for two to three years? No. Okay. Great question. I'm saying build a product that first year. I mean, it could be the first six months. Just don't expect it. Don't be disappointed if you're not blowing it up in six months is what I'm saying to that hypothetical person. So Audience building is the number one job of any online business every day, all day. And then number two is getting the right offers in front of them. But just be realistic. Like if your audience is small, your conversion rate is going to be similar, whether it's big or small, like you're not going to sell that many copies. But I have outliers. I have a student that just said, hey, I made a, they did a $25,000 launch on the first product with an email list of like 700 people. Wow. I was like, bro, I made like a hundred bucks on my first launch. <laughs> so like you're crushing it. Like there's, there's exceptions. But there's also other things you can do. And I teach this too, is like, look, while you're building your audience, you can offer one-on-one -on -one coaching to people. Like mm -hmm. that's the fastest way to make money. You don't have to build a product. You don't have to have a, a big audience. If you have some content, even, a, even if you have a hundred people following your YouTube channel, someone's going to be like, this guy's sharp. This girl's smart. And if you say, hey, I'm opening up three to five coaching spots to help people go from here to here and whatever your, your area of, of influence is, whatever the transformation is. Like if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, -on -one, let me know. You only need three to five people, you know, doing 500 to $1,000 a month to make something substantive of a coaching package to keep you going while you build the audience and make the more passive route. So I did a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching for this second business when I started. That's actually how I got into it because it was just a side gig. I have my business, The Recording Revolution, People were coming to me for coaching because I had a little bit of press years ago about my little weird music business. And like, how is he making so much money talking about music? And so that led to people asking me for one-on-one -on -one coaching. So I was making money doing that just for fun. And then I was like, hey, I'll ride off of that and I'll build a course and maybe I'll build another business out of this. And that was slow at first. 
but I had the other income from the other business and the coaching. But then now the passive stuff is taken off. And that's because the, the courses, as you know, and having an automated business, an online business, it has the more long-term potential to make you way more money than any kind of service you could provide and with way less effort, but it's not the fastest route. So if you can get a hybrid, either keep your day job or do some one-on-one coaching early on while you build the audience in the courses, like you'll be in great shape. Just I just want people to have realistic expectations because I don't want people to quit when they're, it's just way too early and they might be really onto something. It just, it takes time. Yeah. Good. I'm glad you clarified that because I know um, people people want to create that first product. Like they love the the thought of having an online course, the thought of making that money while they they sleep, and um, saying, "Hey, look, we, we got to take it slow. Let's not create any products for two to three years." I think that would be demoralizing for a lot of people. But I love what you said about no. It's just a, it depends on the audience size, and 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 that's more of when it could actually really take off. But, and also in the meantime, you know, this, this coaching, I told I'm with you, whether one-on-one group coaching, like that, um, that is a great potential avenue. Um, whether we're talking about like launching a coaching product or a, let's say a course product for the first time, where, like, where would you draw the line? Like at what point would you say somebody's audience is big enough to start thinking about pitching a product? Yeah, great question. I, I usually tell people, I mean, that you can do whatever you want again, because some so many people have blown like the traditional things out of the water and just have really if your audience is so hungry, if they're begging you for it and they're really engaged, you can launch it whenever. It really doesn't matter. But typically three to five hundred people on your email list is when I feel like you should you you could like launch your course. Um you know, because you're going to look at conversion rates, maybe one percent of your email list will convert, right? If it's solid. So that's at five hundred people, that's five courses sold, you know, it's, it's something, it's just not, it's not a lot of money. And it's also not a lot of data. Like if you sell five courses, you don't, you know, and they don't get results. Like that doesn't mean your course is bad. It's just, you need, you need lots of people to go through it, to refine it and make it better, which is something I know you're really good at doing with your course. And so I, but I, but I, I like people to learn the art of launching and building the product and writing some basic sales copy. It's a good exercise. So I would say get it launched, but really it's more about knowing your audience, right? That's more important than the size. It's more of like, if you're doing YouTube videos, you know, how, like you said earlier, like, why would you launch? I don't think you should launch a course until you know who you're launching it to, because it's all about an offer and the offer is all about who it's offered to. And so who are you helping? You probably have a lot of ideas of how to help people, whatever your niche is. I made music production tutorials, helping people make recordings in their bedroom. So I, I knew lots of stuff I could teach people, but it was hard to know what would resonate with people. Where are, specifically are they getting stuck? Or do they know all the basics and they just don't know how to do a certain strategy with mixing or, is, or do they not know the basics? Do they not even know what to buy? Like you don't know until you engage with people online and teach some stuff. So I view your content as your like testing ground, your playground to figure out what content people really want to go deep on. And then you might get an idea of, you know what, everyone keeps asking about this. Like maybe that should be my first mini course or course. And then you have a better success rate because it's based off of some informal research, right? Yes. Um, another YouTube strategy question for you. Um, Cause I think, I think YouTube is a phenomenal uh, source of, of traffic for, um, for what we're talking about here with, with courses and memberships and even coaching and all that. Um, that's, that's, was my primary, uh, marketing channel when I first got started with piano in 21 days. Um, and it was slow, but you know, eventually it picked up, picked up. 
Uh, and very early on, I learned that what you want to do with YouTube is you want to you want to kind of get them off of YouTube and get their email address, have an opt-in. You want to have a call to action at the end of your video. And so every video I have made um, since 2013, we have a call to action at the end of the video. Hey, if you like this, go download our free workbook, click the link right here, click the link in the description. I say that to set up this question. Um, I have a friend, David Wallman, who's got a very big YouTube channel teaching guitar. He's got over 100,000 subscribers. He's been doing it since like 2010, tons of content. He does like three videos a week. And about a year ago, uh, and I think it's pretty much his only traffic source to his online courses. About a year ago, he reached out to me. He's like, hey, Jacques, um, man, my business is struggling. I'm just, I'm just mm -hmm. not getting as many leads as I used to get. I'm not sure what's going on. Um, and uh, I heard back from him in the past week and because uh, I was following up with him asking if things had gotten any better. He's like, Jacques, I, we're great. I found, I found the problem. I fixed it. It was a total game changer. Here's what was wrong. I was sending people off of YouTube every single video, right? I was including links, getting them off of YouTube. What we did was we switched it to where we try to keep them on YouTube more often than not and only um, send them off of YouTube a couple times a month, right? Mm. Any thoughts on that story or do you still recommend like, let's, let's uh, bribe them with an opt-in every video? Yeah, so... Um... I, I get some form of this question all the time. So it, it depends on your goals, right? So I don't know the, this guy's story, but I guess he's, he is selling online courses. So he does mm -hmm. ultimately want people in his, in his funnel. YouTube wants you to keep people on YouTube. That's their goal. So they will, they will reward you for playing their game the way they want it to be played. So you will, yeah, like that makes sense. Like you'll probably get more views, get higher ranking in the suggestions if you keep people watching. If you send people away, it might, it's probably a knock on, on your videos in the, in the algorithm to some degree. But to me, that doesn't matter because the point isn't to keep them watching. The point is to get them on your email list and to grow your, your email list. Why? Because A, that's where you're going to sell to them and, and that's where you make money. And then B, when the algorithm changes, which it has in recent years, I have a lot of friends with big YouTube channels as well. They're getting less traffic. They're showing up less. Like Things are changing. When that happens, you're, you're going to want all those people off of YouTube already. You want them on their lists so you can continue to sell to them and serve them or jump on another platform if YouTube goes away. So if that's my ultimate goal is to grow the email list and grow my business, I'm going to choose that every time over getting people. Like if I have one option to call them to one action, like I, I'm not going to call them to go watch another video because ultimately I even on that video, I'm, I'm going to want them to eventually get on my email list. So I don't know what his, his numbers look like or, or how, how exactly he's got it set up, but I know 100% of the time you will have a bigger email list if you ask people to join your list more and give them incentive to do it. You may There is a, an opportunity that maybe if you were to grow your channel bigger by playing the YouTube game exactly the way that wants you to play it, you could then have the opportunity to reach more people potentially in the future that then you could offer to your email list. And so that's, that's a possibility. I'm just not willing to take that chance because I don't want to, I want to do the sure thing now, <laughs> which is get them on my email list now, um, then wait for my channel to grow. But I mean, sure, a combination, a hybrid. I mean, like life can be a, a both and world. I mean, that's, that's what most of life is. It's usually not that black or white, but I lean more, a lot more to, I mean, every, every video always get them on the email list. Uh, and it, and it works. I mean, I just, I just see it working. 
Um, but so what's interesting is I see some people say like, well, Graham, like you're, so my first channel, right? Your recording revolution is a lot bigger than my, my personal brand, right? So we're talking like 600,000 plus subscribers to like, I'm in the 30,000 subscriber land right now. And so some people are looking at it like, well, Graham, like, why are you do? why are you sending people away? Like you're not playing the game right for YouTube. You could, you could have more views or, or subscribers. I'm like, I, I don't care. I make more money in this, this business than I do in the music business before. And that's a bigger audience. So I'm getting the result I want and need. So it's just all about just using the tool to achieve your biggest goal and don't get caught up, caught up in the, the mini goals. So I, I, even though I am a YouTuber, I guess, cause I use YouTube, and I, but I, I just don't play that game. And I think there's a lot of confusion because at some point, all the stuff we're doing will look the same, me and a YouTuber, but at some point we're going to diverge because I'm going to ultimately serve my end goal, which is growing my business and my email list. And that might mean I have to make a different choice than a YouTuber who I get. If they need, if they're getting paid by the view count and on the running ads on their videos, and that's their main source of revenue, then yeah, you want as many eyeballs as possible. And then you would play a slightly different game, which I still think is dangerous because you're at, you're, you know, at the mercy of the algorithm still. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like your this approach is, is clearly working for you. And if like all of a sudden your YouTube traffic just like dropped to nothing, then then maybe you'd be open to exploring something else, but it's working um, in a way that's like sustainable. It's uh, it's generating leads every day and so on. I think for him, he said, it's just, it just YouTube was way more willing to recommend the, the, his videos to new people. And so uh, I'm, I'm trying to get some more information out of him because it's a, it's an interesting discussion. And I've been like Googling around, YouTubing around, trying to find any more information about that to see how real of a thing it, that is, if anybody has data on it. And I'm not finding too much. Um, so it's good to hear your perspective where, hey, this this is still the best way to go. Like have a good call to action every time. Let's get as many people onto the email list as possible. Yeah. I mean, because dude, he might, he's right. I think your channel will grow bigger if you keep people on the platform and get recommended more. So the real question is, is he making more money? Is it helping him drive more sales? And if it is, then that's, that's great. But that's, that's ultimately what matters. Like I'm, I'm taking a hit for sure on my channel growth by not playing their mm -hmm. game fully, but it's worth it to me. So let's talk, um, let's talk courses versus, um, versus memberships. That's, that's a question I certainly get a lot. Who do you think is a good fit to just create an online course versus creating a membership? I was on a podcast a few months ago where it was like almost a debate of like courses versus memberships. And uh, I was representing the online course side and I, I know far less about uh, memberships. Um, and I know you've got experience with both, certainly. Yeah. Um, but it, it's the, the pros and cons weren't as straightforward as I realized. And one thing that really jumped out at me that the, the guy representing memberships said that's really resonated with me is like, look, um, if you want to take um, a course concept uh, or you have a concept for something and you're like course versus membership um, and you're looking at pricing and all that, it's not as simple as you know total lifetime value of, uh, of the dollar if you get the same amount of sales for each, right? If, if I sell a $1,000 course and that's a one-time payment or if I have a $100 a month membership, can they stay 10 months to make it equal? He's like, what if you get 10 times more people to sign up for the membership, then it's not a fair comparison. And that's mm. something I hadn't really thought of. Um, so that's me just like talking a little more about yeah. courses and memberships while, while I set you up here. So <laughs> yeah. go ahead now. I, I love the question. And I, this is for sure a thing where I'm like both and I, I, I can't, it's really hard for me to land on either or I do both. I've had, and because they both play a different role in the business. 
Um, I love courses because they're one and done. Um, I, I use the example, I have a, have a course that I, I no longer sell is called Rethink Mixing. And it was a $97 music production course that I launched in 2011 and uh, stopped selling in 2018 when I finally replaced it with a newer course. Never updated it, never did anything different, just launched it. And for seven years, that little $100 course uh, slowly made me a million dollars in revenue off that one little course automatically. I, I wasn't launching it. I never had a launch. It just came out. It's in my funnel. Um, and I was like, that's a great, that's a picture of what I love about courses is you, it's a lot of upfront work and it takes a lot of effort. And my students who make a course are like, man, that was like, I feel like I just pulled an all nighter. Like, wow, that was a thing. I got through like boot camp, and but you do the work and then it can pay you forever. And that's the beauty of courses for you. It's also great for their student, the student, because it's everything they need start to finish. I mean, your course is, is the best name of a course ever, right? Piano is 21 days. I, I just, I think it's, I use it as an example when I tell people like how to name a course or think about what a course should be. It should be transformation focused. It should be very clear what it's promising. And, and that's what I don't like about memberships is they can be so open-ended if not set up well. So a course has its place for you. It's going to be evergreen. I think evergreen courses are, are a backbone of a business. I'm not saying you shouldn't launch certain courses, but I love evergreen courses. But a membership though is like a totally different thing to me because the membership is like the next level. It's the next step of a course. If I want all my people to learn the fundamentals or learn this main thing in my course, I want a membership as like a backend offer, which is a great way to pitch it is like, now that you've gone through the course, you probably have a million other questions and you probably would love to interact with people who have learned similar things or gone through the course as well. You probably want to hang out with me regularly. And I've got more advanced things I could teach you, but I'm not going to do a whole course on all of these topics. So what if I could put it all together in a community where you're interacting with people, there's accountability for the things you just learned in the course. Now there's coaching with me, there's new trainings dropping regularly to help you really advance. It's a great catch-all for once people have gone through a course, I think. It doesn't have to be that way, but they worked in tandem for them. And then it's just great for you because going back to the YouTube thing, if YouTube dries up, I have a problem with me not being able to sell courses in my funnel right, to new people because there's no new, no new leads. But I don't have a problem because I have a lot of recurring revenue for my membership and my mastermind. Uh, and affiliate income, which is recurring as well. So like I could never get another customer again, and I'd probably be fine for a long time to give me time to make up something else or find a new source of traffic. So I love the recurring revenue part of a membership because it's bankable. Uh, even when there's churn, like if you do your membership right, it grows every year. Um, and so I like both. I just feel like it's like diversification and they both have a role to play for my income and stability of the business but they both have a role to play for the student because they can achieve different things. And I like to just have a product suite that all the products kind of make sense together, if, if that answers the question. Yeah. I mean, it's a diversification. Um, it's a diversification of, of what your student can benefit from, but it's a diversification on your side too, that three prong approach of having the, the courses that are more like one-time payments and really need the leads coming in consistently, but then also having the membership and then the third prong, you mentioned the affiliate income, like that's a heck of a business model, having all three of those offers out there. And I know just watching your YouTube channel and podcast, like you're, um, you're constantly putting out content that's more general. And then you're trying to get people on the email list, but then you put out a lot of Kajabi content. I know you recently got to be the top affiliate of all time for Kajabi. That's insane. Passed up Amy Porterfield, right? 
Yeah, that was a life goal. Beat Amy Porterfield at something. So I did it. At something. That's amazing. <laughs> Probably the only um, thing I'll be able to catch up with her on. Yeah. Like, I think I messaged you, but I like to think that I was the sign up that kind of put you over the edge. I recently signed up for Kajabi a few months Thank you. ago. I appreciate that. Thank yeah. You. you know, I, um, I evaluated a lot of course platforms a couple of years ago because I was ready to get, get off of ClickFunnels for my course for piano in 21 days. And I went with like a very customized solution built on WordPress and, and very few people that follow my stuff followed me there because it was just mm. way too daunting of a setup. Um, too many pieces of parts, um, too many things that could break down. And so I think it was, uh, I was doing a disservice by recommending that solution, which mm. is only for like 1% of people. And so I went back to the drawing board a little bit and, and just uh, realized that Kajabi is the, the best thing I could possibly recommend um, to most people that want to get into a business like this, because it does so much. It does so freaking much. Um, you know, I've, I've worked with a couple of people in the past few months that were on Thinkific mm-hmm. and I'm like, wait, you can't build a funnel in Thinkific. Like what's, <laughs> what, why, why is it the same price as Kajabi, but you can't mm. have your podcast there. You can't have a funnel. You can't do all these things. Mm. And so I decided to take, you know, this side of my business, my second business and build it on Kajabi. Cause I don't want to recommend something and not use it. Yeah. So awesome. I'm on the Kajabi bandwagon now too, man. It's um, it's it's good stuff. I'm I'm disappointed in ClickFunnels because back in 2016 it was really good, mm. but it hasn't improved much in six years. Whereas wow. Kajabi, I mean, I wasn't using Kajabi in 2016, but I would imagine a lot of these features I'm seeing today didn't exist back oh, then. No. They, they keep adding really cool stuff. Yeah, well, good on you, man. I've always respected you. You're always experimenting and trying new things, which is something I'm literally trying to work on this year. Like one of my goals, one of my coaches has helped me like, you need to experiment more. I'm like, I know. I'm like, I'm really disciplined and consistent, which is a strength. And the shadow side of that strength is I'm not very creative and experimental when it comes to things that are working. So I'm like, don't mess with it. So I'm working on it. So I admire you in that. But to the Kajabi thing, like, man, I I tell Kajabi, like when they they launched their their affiliate program. And they're like, you got to, you got to promote this stuff. And I was like, look, I've already been promoting Kajabi for years and not getting paid for it. Like it's, you don't have to ask, beg me to promote this. It's, I actually believe in it. I run both of my businesses on it. And that's why I think I'm a successful affiliate because I'm, that's the only thing I recommend. It's the only thing I affiliate. So it's, I use it. I know it intimately, but I, I use it because to your point, like I, I just want to make content and run my business I kind of like the tech stuff a little bit. I think it's kind of cool, but I don't spend a lot of time and I just want it to be pretty effortless. And I get questions all the time. Like, you know, couldn't this part of Kajabi be better? Like this, this element of Kajabi doesn't have as many features as this other product. I'm like, yeah, but it has everything in one thing. It's what's I, I, you could pick it apart, but like, it's not stopping me from making gobs of money and helping a lot of people. So what do you really want? Do you want the, a bunch of random things that are perfect at what they do? Or do you want like, a pretty much almost perfect solution with a team of people behind it and a lot of investors and like a company. I mean, I, I know the CEO, I know the president, I know the guys that are running the, the, the company there, they're trying to win the game. So they're like, they're hiring, they're in, investing in the, the product, they're going to make it better. Uh, and so we only benefit. I mean, if they, if they start to suck and everybody else is doing something better, like I'll have to just jump ship, but they're trying to win the game and keep customers for life. And I, I'm pretty impressed with what they've been doing since I jumped on it in 2013 when it was just a course platform. And then 2015 as a founder beta, when they turned it into what it is today, that now everybody's copied with this sort of all-in-one type product. And uh, 
it's like night and day. I thought it was night and day back then. I was like, this is going to change the world. And I was mm-hmm. right. But like it, that looks pathetic compared to what it is today. So it's, it's an incredible tool. Uh, and what I, you know, honestly, getting back to what we're talking about with it, I like it is that it's, it makes online business easier and more fun, which is great for a new person to get in there and be like, okay, well, I could make an offer. I could just launch my podcast. I could do a webinar and try it. Like the one-click pipelines, you don't have to really overthink it. Just try something. It's creative. I feel like it makes me want to express myself and do cool things when I'm in the platform. And I think they're onto something with that. So I think it's just a great time to start an online course business, man. It's just so easy these days, the tech side, at least, and the, and the stitching it all together side, which is just awesome. Yeah, especially compared to when, when I mean, you got started even before, before I did back in 2013. You were like 20, 2009, 2010? 2009, yeah. It was yeah, the dark man. ages. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and all in one, you know, that's it's great. It doesn't mean much if all those things don't work really well. And, and right. most of the things that I've come across uh, work really well. I'm not too crazy about the email stuff, um, but but you know, I, I one of the first things I did was I moved my podcast over, and that is seamless. That is that works so well. Yeah, putting a website, um, blog. Uh, obviously courses and then product, various products and offers. And, and one of their newer features is coaching. You know, I mentioned one of the ways you can get started is, is by offering one-on-one or group coaching. And they have that. You can create that as a product now. It's just like mind blown, all the cool things you can do inside yeah. of there. Yeah, it's awesome. And, and, they, and they, they're all about improvement. I mean, I've been on multiple calls with, with them. We're just like, hey, this is what I would like to see. And they're like, we're going to, we're trying, we're trying. Like, let me know, tell me more. Like, how do you use it? How are your students using it? Like they really want to know. And if they can put money behind it and make it happen, like I've seen so many improvements. So they're listening. And that's, that's what you want to see in a company that you're going to build your business on their platform. Random question. Like, do you know what Kajabi means? Like some, like you mentioned great names of stuff. Um, what, what do you know what that represents? You have any idea? I have no idea. I have to, I have to ask Kenny. I don't know. I was, I was having this conversation with somebody last night. We were talking about like great company names. We were talking about, um, uh, cameo where you can go find, um, like B list celebrities and just get them to record a little, uh, message for somebody like happy birthday or whatever. And I was like, that's a, that's a perfect name for that. And then I randomly thought of Kajabi. I'm like, what does Kajabi mean? Like, that's a, that's an example of a successful company where the name doesn't really mean much, at least to me. And you're the top affiliate of all time. You don't know what it means either. No clue. It's so weird. And it, it's hard to spell. Like, it's like everything about it is bad. It's a bad name. <laughs> so you mentioned, uh, you mentioned experimentation and um, I don't do, I don't do a ton of it, but uh, there is one experiment that I ran at the end of last year that since you mentioned experimentation, I'd love to share with you and get your thoughts yeah. on, the, on the results. Um I am a big believer in scarcity. It was a game changer for my business when I implemented some scarcity. Um, Some scarcity tactics, a lot of them are a little like uh, questionable, a little gray area. Um, One I definitely don't believe in is like these fake, uh, faking a live webinar, you know, fake chats and all that. Not a fan of that. But ever since 2016, um, my, the scarcity that I've used is the availability of my course, right? Can't buy the course, uh, piano in 21 days on the website, got to enter the funnel. And then inside the funnel, you get an opportunity to buy. We use deadline funnel to make sure that is true. The things we're saying, Hey, this is going away. It actually goes away. But for a while I was wondering if, Hey, maybe a different scarcity tactic could work better for everybody. And one that I wanted to try was offering a discount. 
And ever since my early days of getting into this, I always heard the guru say like, don't discount your product. Right. So I just listened to that. Um, But one day I'm just like, man, I enjoy a good discount. I bet my people would like a good discount too. And so I did like a split test. I did a trial for a few months, um, testing scarcity, availability versus a discount. Um, Which one do you think won? Oh, man. I think people are suckers for discounts. So I'm going to say discount. Yeah, um, that that one. Uh, And I was very happy to see that because now you can buy my course on my website at the full price. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, a lot of things look the same. The funnel looks very similar, except instead of saying, "Hey, this is going away altogether," it's, "Hey, this discount is going away." That's awesome. So, what I found uh, with my particular uh, not perfect experiment was, for every opt-in I got before, uh, I got about ten dollars coming out, and once I switched it over to the uh, scarcity being the discount, for every opt-in I got about fifteen dollars coming oh out. Oh my gosh, so it worked- that's huge. It worked much, much better. And now yeah. I, I never get the, uh, the, Hey Jacques, you know, what's up with this false scarcity? I know it's actually available type stuff. Um, people are used to discount scarcity and don't have any problems with that. So I don't get those complaints anymore, which is nice too. That's a great, yeah, that's a great conversation. Um, thanks for bringing that up. I think I was, I remember being taught like, don't discount your products, but I always would run two sales a year for like years. There's always 4th of July and Black Friday. I would just 40% off on 4th of July and 50% off on Black Friday, like anything in the store, any of my courses. And I just would make gobs of money and they were like huge inflection points. And then we tried bundles one year, like, you know, you have to spend more, but you can get like 12 of my courses for like 60% off. And if you buy it this week only, and like people would just, they, they want a deal and, and and I don't usually shop that way. Like I'm not like a deal shopper as a person. I don't want really to buy stuff anyway, normally, but it's interesting to see like the people foaming at the mouth to like get this, the, the discount before it goes away. And, and that is an, I'd be very curious to, to hear more people's experiments with that. We, we do a combination of things. Um, I've actually tried yet. Yeah, the, the course goes away. Uh, I have something in my funnel right now where uh, there's like a, a bonus that goes away. Like if you buy it now, I'm giving this, this extra training. You have a few days to get that. And then one of my funnels for the recording revolution, it's all discount oriented. You could buy the course full price on the website like you're doing, but it's half off in the funnel. Um, and that, and that works really well too. So I think in general, scarcity has got to be there um, for a lot of the people that are on the fence. Uh, and then two, I think that's a great compromise because I like to always have my stuff available for sale for, for most people. Like I always felt like dumb when I really want to buy someone's product and I can't. I'm like, oh, I want to give you my money, but you're not going to let me. And so right. I, it, it, that seems to be like a nice middle ground. So that's awesome. 50% more revenue. That's insane. Yeah. Well, like I said, it wasn't a perfect experiment because uh, I also increased the price because I didn't want to just take my same price and then discount it and make less per customer. So Fair. I literally d- doubled my prices and yeah. then brought the discount back down. So even with the discount, each sale was a higher amount. So oh, it wow. wasn't completely apples to apples, but either way but, it worked. Yeah. But that's the point. Like all that matters is the result. You did something and it made more money in your business. So like, or the idea led you to raise the price or like that's, that's what 
I, I love that for, let's just pause for a moment because I, I, I'm not a tester and I'm not like an experimenter, like even, literally like I'm not a, a guy in a lab coat. Like let's try this funnel and tweak this funnel. I don't, I just, that stuff like doesn't interest me. But, but what I like about what you did was, is you tried something specific, but what it led to was you trying other things, raising the price, trying different, like it moved you forward in the business. You got curious about one thing, which ultimately made you change another thing, which ultimately got you the result, which was more revenue, which is at the end of the day, all that matters. You do want to know how you got that revenue so you can replicate it, which is the point of testing. But it doesn't have to be this perfect little test where like, I didn't change anything, but this one thing, like I, I like the more fluid, like I'm making some changes and then that gave me an idea, which sparked that idea, which I didn't have that offer. So I did that thing. And then business is growing, you know, when, when we're 80 years old and we're looking back on the, the revenue we've created in our businesses over the years, we're not going to really care what tactic it was. We're just going to care that we made an impact and made more money. So that as long as you get to that goal, I think that's all that matters. Yeah. And I was just hoping that the results were going to be the same because I wanted to do the pricing thing. And it was That's just great. icing yeah. on the cake. Uh, Lanyap, as we call it down here, that it, it actually worked better. So um, just a couple more questions for you, man. This, is, uh, this has really been a pleasure. Um, audiences, like putting, putting your audience like into multiple buckets. Uh, we, I would say we have a, somewhat of a similar audience on this side of our businesses. And um, I, kind of, I kind of lump you know, the podcast listeners um, into four main categories completely new. You don't have an audience. You don't have any products or courses, right? Um, next is maybe you have an audience of some sort, but you don't have a course yet. Um, you have an audience, you, you, um, you have a course, but you're not really selling it, um, whether you just haven't launched yet or it's just not working for you. And the fourth group is have an audience, have a course, it's working and you're just you're trying to get better. Um, how, in your opinion, can you appeal to different categories of people mm -hmm like subcategories within the same category of audience. And, and let me just add one more part to this, this long-winded question is, you know, I go to your homepage, everything seems to appeal to the beginner, even though you, I know you serve more than just complete beginners. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I learned from my first business, the recording revolution, that something surprising, right? Because so I found myself in 2016 doing some YouTube consulting or this, this guy was consulting me on YouTube and he, he's like, Hey, I don't know anything about music production, but I'm looking at your channel and it looks like your videos are getting progressively more and more advanced. Like I, I, I don't even understand the topic, but I can tell that what your videos are of lately are just like super, super specific and advanced. Why, why are you doing that? Why don't you just like, people want the beginner stuff. Like that's where the, the widest net is. Why don't you just go back to, if you look at your popular videos, they're the ones that the beginners are, are, are watching. Why don't you make more of those kind of videos? And it was a very innocuous question. And I was like, man, I guess I thought because I'm doing it because of like, I've already taught those things and I figured I need to teach more advanced things. And I've heard some people be like, man, you're pretty basic. Like, when are you going to, you know, so I'm like, I'm almost listening to a small, maybe minority of people that want more. And so that got me thinking. And then it got me studying my, my content and looking at the data. And then I've just all of a sudden started to, to notice in my audience there that as I spent time focusing on the basics and the fundamentals over and over again, that appealed to all the beginners, which is the widest net of people searching. So I get a lot of, of traffic because that's a lot of people, but it does not seem to exclude most of the advanced people. For example, I have a lot of Grammy award-winning producers and mixed engineers and even artists 
who would follow my stuff and they would reach out to me every once in a while. I didn't realize they were following. They're like, Hey man, I always come back to your stuff. Like, it's such a great reminder. Like just super like, like anchoring. Like I get focused when I listen to your stuff. So just thank you for sticking to the fundamentals. Like, this is great for me. Like you're a refresher for me. And I was like, well, that's interesting. Cause you, you don't need my content. And so I learned a valuable lesson of like, man, you can do whatever you want with content. You can niche and be the advanced guy and make a great business. You can, you, there's, there's no right or wrong here, but I really personally live in the fundamentals of life in general and whatever I'm interested in. I don't, I don't usually get too dorky. Like again, even with the tech stuff, like I keep it real basic. So it gave me some freedom to like focus on those beginners while keeping in mind that they're not always just beginners watching or listening. And so I tend to like try to hit the topics that are, it might be, I don't know, I haven't looked at the data. It might be 70, 80% of my content is like for beginners and I'll still do some more advanced stuff to help people scale. But I just know that my, my, how to scale your business like to six figures is not going to be the widest net of people because most people haven't even, to your point, haven't even started. They haven't even started at all. You just broke down the beginners into sort of like three categories. Like I haven't started at all. I, ha- I don't haven't really built an audience. I haven't launched a core. Like, so I, I don't want to exclude those people. I know those people can enter into a relationship with me. If I give them the basics, I can become their teacher that they trust. And then they're going to want to learn from me and buy from me as they move up their journey. So my product suite right now, right? And you've been a part of this in a lot of ways. Like, although you might've jumped ahead because you didn't need the basics, you can see sort of like my content that's free. Then you can see my course to get people to launch their business, then my membership to get them to scale their business, even after they've launched. And then a mastermind or one-on-one coaching to like, you're already doing six figures and you really want to know more. And so I want to just create that journey for people, but just, it's a, it's a, wide net at the top, right? A big funnel, wide funnel at the top. I And I, it's also a credibility play, right? And it's like, I want to reach the masses and be well-known. That's what I'm trying to do in my niche, as opposed to like be hyper-focused on just like a thousand people and be a, like a hidden micro niche. So my goals mean I want to help a lot of beginners. That's the way my mind works. And I also think my advanced students need to go back to the basics. So I kind of force that back on them, which is just a personal belief I have. So I find that that doesn't exclude a lot of people. There are probably people that see me and go, wow, this is pretty basic. I'm looking for like a lot more advanced ninja marketing, online digital stuff. And there's people for them, but I'm okay with that because I know who I'm trying to help. And that's also to my benefit because that's the majority of people. Yeah, that makes sense. No, yeah. I mean, I'm on your, I'm on your website. I'm on grandcochran.com right now. And uh... Another thing I like about it is I don't think your site has changed very much over the past couple of years, um, <laughs> speaking of keeping things simple. But like I said, the homepage really appeals to beginners. Create an automated online income in your spare time. Um, and then I could go on, click on coaching. And you mentioned your, your offers uh, vary and who they particularly help. You've got a course called Automated Income Academy. Um, and then Six Figure Coaching is the membership. Epic Mastermind is, is the higher ticket, uh, higher touch point with you. Um, I've been a part of it. It's, it's pretty epic. Um, so yeah, I, I get it. That makes sense. Um, let's, let's talk about my favorite page in, in your new book. Um, speaking <laughs> of epic mastermind, uh, 167, man, that is a great page. A great page. Uh, my favorite page too. Dude, I just like, uh, when I saw my name in your book, I was like, holy smokes. And, and, you know, there's, uh, how many jocks do you know? Do you know, know any other jocks personally? You're the only Jacques bro. I was like, that's name. that. That's me, right? He's talking about me, Jacques, right? Because, uh, yeah. So you said recently, one of my students, Jacques, who's a member of my Epic Mastermind, 
asked me about my business model. He drew up a diagram that he felt represented how my business worked from what he could tell from the outside and what I've shared with the group. He sent it to me and everyone in the mastermind and said, what am I missing about your business model here? It can't be this simple, can it? And the answer is, of course, yes, it is that simple. Man, I just, I remember like looking at your site, looking at your content and being like, this dude is killing it. And it's like one of the simplest businesses I've ever seen. Like there's, there's gotta be more to it. So I was drawing it up and I sent it to you and man, it really is as simple as it looks on the surface level, right? It is. And that makes me not as interesting of a podcast host because <laughs> people want something crazy. And so I, I need to come up with some like juicy fake uh, stories. No, but I mean, I, I think, I think this is part of my calling too, is that like, look, I, I'm not saying people have to run their business exactly the way I run it, but like people are overcomplicating the mess out of their online businesses for a variety of reasons that gurus tell them to make it complicated. There's an insecurity like we naturally feel like it can't, if it's simple, it can't be good or can't be professional. So there's all kinds of things at play, but the reality is like, what do you need? You need leads. You need a way to, to nurture those leads and you need an offer to put in their hands that, and you need a way to sell it and capture the payment. And like, that's all we're doing in business. And so I just really try to keep it as simple as possible. I've tried different things in the past and I've gotten rid of the things that don't work. Um, but here's, here's what's so cool going back to full circle, where we talked about content marketing is the reason why it can stay that simple is because if you've got a decade of content and you've been faithfully built, like you get something called momentum, which means like when I'm not doing anything more than I did five years ago, but I make way more money, like way more money. I'm actually working less and doing less. Uh, and I've stripped away the things out of my business even more. And the only reason is because of content. It's like the content machine is growing and it's just this, com it's like compound interest, right? With investing, you make your money, not by putting gobs of money into the market. It's consistently putting a fixed amount over time. Eventually when you wake up in the latter half of your years, like you're making gobs of money doing absolutely nothing because your money's making money for you. And so it's that consistency. It's, it's, it's boring. I mean, I quote Warren Buffett in the book about like, why does so few people want to follow your investment advice? He says, because no one wants to get rich slow. Like it works, but it's not flashy and it's not fast. And I, I think that's a good analogy for my business model. It works. It's not flashy and it's not fast. So um, I'm just interested in longevity and, and having something sustainable because I know what it feels like to be burned out and I don't want to be there. So yeah, simplicity works, man. Love it. Graham, thank you so much. The book is How to Get Paid for What You Know. I'm a big fan. Go pick it up if you haven't already. I know um, I know lots of listeners have, have picked it up and are starting to read it as well. I've seen pictures of people holding the book too. So congratulations on everything in the book launch. And uh, it was good to catch up, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, Jacques, for having me on. So that is a wrap. Once again, check out the book by Graham, How to Get Paid for What You Know. There is also the audio version, which is actually what I went through. I've got the physical book, but I went through the audible uh, audio version, which Graham read himself. It was very, very good. I do would I would love to go through it again, maybe with the hard copy this time. So if you enjoy this conversation, then you might enjoy the book as well. Thank you so much for being here, for listening to the podcast. This has been episode 183 of the online course show, and we'll see you next time. Uh -huh.